I mean, we should have been playing this every time we had John Gibbons on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give him more John, reason to yell at us. John Gibbons, though, I'll tell you something. John Gibbons is more of a metalhead. John Gibbons is huh. more of a metalhead. He's a big Judas Priest guy. Huh. And he's a big Triumph guy, Canadian band. As a matter of fact, Rick Emmett, uh, a signed guitar from Rick Emmett, was one of John Gibbons' major uh, takeaways from his time in Toronto. We're going to talk about John Gibbons today. And if you're out there saying Blair's really scuffling for topics today, well, Jim Duquette of the MLB Network has sent out a list of individuals he thinks are potential Mets managerial candidates. Carlos Beltran, it's great if you want it. Mm-hmm. Well, former Met. Ron Washington, Eduardo Perez, Bob Melvin via trade, Clint Hurdle, Joe McEwing, Buck Showalter, Todd Zeal, Miguel Cairo with very interesting name, and John Gibbons. Mm. So I put out in social media today, what are the Mets? Well, they're a team that underachieved this year. Their manager just got fired. Um, they are a team of big personalities. They are a team with some big arms. They're a team that really, frankly, plays in a division that, you know, is, is, shouldn't be the hardest thing in the world, frankly, to win the National League East. Nope. Oh, they do have a wing nut for an owner. But <laughs> ask yourself how you think John Gibbons, who has Mets ties, keep in mind, he has Mets ties, a former Mets player, how he would do in charge of the Mets in that market. Um, and there's a couple of angles at work here. And I told John, I, I reached out via text to him and said I was going to mention his name before Duquette mentioned his name. And um, his response was, was vintage Gibby. Uh, but here's the thing. One of these scenarios developing in New York is Billy Bean taking over as kind of the baseball Uber, Uber baseball dude, general manager, president, not general manager, president of baseball operations, whatever. And it's a front office that will obviously be analytics heavy. Uh, but there's also, I mean, Billy, Billy Bean's kind of an interesting guy. They are analytics heavy, but there's also, you know, he's, he stayed with Bob Melvin as his manager or, or a long time. He's hired young general managers and, you know, and they've stayed with, with Bob Melvin. The other thing about this is Gibbons and Billy Bean go back a long way. Uh, they were roommates in instructional league, and this was in St. Petersburg. This is years ago. Now, keep in mind that, uh, you know, Billy Bean was a mega draft pick. He was coming out of college, going to be the next Mickey Mantle. John Gibbons was drafted in the first round by the Mets as a uh, as a catcher, high school catcher out of Texas. So they were roommates in uh, in St. Petersburg during uh, instructional league. This is before the Mets moved to uh, moved to Port St. Lucie. And the story that Gibby always tells is about the time he and Billy Bean went out and got a raccoon. 
Now, if you knew anything about Billy Bean as coming up and as a player uh, when he was younger, he was kind of a he was a piece of work. That's probably the only way to put it. So the story is that they've got nothing going on, and Billy Bean and John Gibbons are sitting around their apartment, and Billy Bean's reading the newspaper, and he points an ad out to Gibby. And there's a guy who was capturing raccoons in people's attics and selling them. And true story, Billy looks at Gibby and said, I always wanted a raccoon. Gibby, of course, whatever. But uh, Billy Bean said, you know, let's go for a ride and get a raccoon. There's nothing going on. So Gibby says they hopped in uh, Billy Bean's new black and gold limited edition 280ZX. They drove to the outskirts of St. Petersburg and brought a raccoon. Now he's saying, uh, you know, that that, uh, Billy told him it'd be fun to have. It's always good to have a pet. Of course, these guys are on the road as well, but it's always good to have a pet. And, uh, you know, raccoon was cheap. It didn't cost a lot of money. And uh, apparently, this is what Gibby said. You know, Billy said, just think, think girls are going to love it. They're, they're going to love the raccoon. I'm just, don't look at me. I'm telling you the story. I'm hearing this story right here. So anyhow, they went and got the raccoon and brought it home. And uh, it lasted a couple of days. And I, and I remember talking to John about this. I said, After we get over the whole, why did you bring it home thing? Why, I, mean, I said, okay, so he brought it home. Why'd you let it go? He said, it was just too mean and too high maintenance. So there's, a, and, and they've kept in touch. So there's a tie-in. You're looking at me like that. There's a raccoon. And I think, I, all kidding aside, I don't know how you feel. I, I think Gibby would be, I think Gibby could do a terrific job managing a team like the Mets. I don't know about San Diego. I think San Diego, Bruce, but San Diego, I think needs a guy like Bruce Bochy. But you know, mm. San Diego's got rid of Jace Tingler. I don't think you need, I think the way to go forward is new age front office guys and old school manager. Because you've made a point often, Kevin, about how you think it's the pitching coach and the hitting coach that is the most important thing for a pitcher or a hitter. Mm-hmm. And I think the manager's job, as you said, is to kind of keep the avenues of communication open. And in some cases, maybe manage up. You know, maybe sort of manage up to the general manager and the front office and maybe even ownership. Beat the hammer. I think Gibby... I think Gibby would be great in New York. Okay, well, uh, that's a great story. <laughs> Isn't uh, raccoons nocturnal? Yeah. Don't they get rabies? Well, not all of them. Well, some of them. Well, yeah, but I mean, I would, I would, that doesn't mean that they're all going to have rabies. They're kind of cute. So when it was in the, when it was in the car, they were like, it's the greatest idea we've ever had. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about two guys who were like in their late teens, early 20s in a, in a ZX in St. Peter. You know what they were looking for. Right. Yeah. Two single ball players. I mean, come on. They're, they're trying and they, to. And they fell on a raccoon. They're trying. No, but I mean, they're trying to. They're trying yeah, to come yeah. up with a way to. I got. To be interesting. <laughs> to be interesting. And. That's a different I mean, way. It's, I'll, I'll tell you what. There's, it's not. I. It's one. It's not the stupidest thing John Gibbons did as a youngster. I'll tell you that. Really? It, no. Um, but you'd be surprised what guys get up I to guess. when they have time. Like, what did you? Well, not a raccoon. What did? What was the weirdest thing you did when you were a minor leaguer that we can talk about before we get to Gibbons? Did you sell my car because I wasn't getting any I hits? He already talked. And <laughs> he couldn't even remember well, where it was. Yeah. Because I I didn't get a hit a, hits a lot anyway. So yeah, yeah, Gibbons. Oh yeah. Well, look. 
I, I think you you have to if you're the if you're the front office, you, you have to think a couple things. You you have to look for a manager that can handle Steve Cohen. You can have to handle a really super uber rich guy who all he wants to do is win. And if you're not winning and you're not hitting, you're not running the bases right, you're not pitching right, you're not fielding right, he's going to tweet everybody and say why and say this, and it takes a special human to sort of ignore that or either have a conversation with that. Now, you, is Gibby the guy? If you Do you remember Gibby the, the time that Gibby yelled at Josh Donaldson for bringing the boombox yeah, out in Josh, spring training? Josh Donaldson is not a, a multi-billionaire who can do whatever he wants to do. So it's a big difference. That, that's my point. And my second point is Jacob deGrom's coming back. What is Jacob deGrom going to be? Is he going to be the pitcher when he comes back that he was when he left, you know, a couple of starts before he left? Like that guy that can give you 200-plus innings, can dominate every single timeout. Is he an easy 99 to 100 guy? Or is there going to be a a period of where he has to adjust to something? Is it now 94, 95 instead of that to keep him in the game, to keep him around the game? It may take a special manager to be able to maneuver around that. But isn't that the pitching coach? That gets to your point. I don't know that. that that Because j- there's only a handful of Jacob DeGroms. Yeah. He's a special animal. And to uh, this is a big call for the Mets. Like, well, what are you getting? When are you going to get it? How do you go about getting it from a guy of Jacob DeGrom's yeah, that, caliber? That, that, That's a big deal. Yeah, like yeah. it's John, for, Gibbons, John Gibbons said Pete Walker is his pitching coach. I, I look, uh, John, it, but not uh, not not in New York. Yeah, but the, the, that's the, this the, is about winning. This is about winning. This it, is about winning. It, I'm. It, it is, is completely it is about, about winning. winning. But you see what happened when Jacob Degrom's not yeah, there. Bark, they I, don't win. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's uh, the manager isn't going to dictate. I don't think whether Jacob Degrom stays healthy or not. Like that, 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 well, it's, that, gonna, that it's gonna be a collection of a bunch of people. That's my point. Is you, there's gonna be a a little breathing room there of what is he well look you got a new age dude in luis rojas i mean he cut his teeth in the minor he he's kind of like one of the new style managers cut his teeth in the minor leagues very analytic friendly i mean that didn't work out for jacob Degrom. i i i just i don't i don't see how Unless you're going to bring a pitching coach in as manager, yeah, yeah. which is what you're saying, is, which I don't think that is, works is, necessarily. Is uh, uh, Black ex-pitching coach Yes, for the Rockies? Yeah. That, that might be a little bit of a, of, of a good fit there. For the, I'm, I'm saying the, the, the only point there is, you, first first and foremost, you need a good salesman. Is Gibby a good salesman? He'd come on and yes, he he's going to yell and scream and do Gibby things, which is that's what I think that's what they need to. Yeah. I'm not saying Gibby's not a, a a decent fit there, but that's the couple of big giant things is is the owner and the best pitcher on planet Earth. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure John Gibbons can manage a and team that New has York. Jacob Degrom. Well, New York is you know, first of all, they, they, I mean, John Gibbons' relationship with a lot of senior members of the New York media is really good. Yeah, I mean, he he was he was a really really popular really popular guy, and it was. You know, again, the story of John Gibbons, the player, and how his career ended in a collision in spring training. Um, you know, it's there, are, and and of course, he was in the organization for a long time as a as a as a minor league coach and and uh, and and manager. Yeah, uh, there are some pre existing ties there. I do think. Listen, I think there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities here 
to what Alex Anthopoulos thought when he was general manager of this team mm-hmm. and had to make a move after John Farrell left. John Farrell, we all know how John Farrell left here. Alex's reaction was, I need somebody who's loyal. I need somebody I can trust. And this depends. Again, I'm playing along here. I'm suggesting that maybe Billy Bean does go and does mm-hmm. join the match. It's possible somebody else is a general manager. Sure. And they want somebody else in. Like, yeah. Well, I'm saying is that if Billy Bean gets that job, and the first thing the owner's going to say to him is, we got to go to, we got to win the World Series. We're the freaking New York Absolutely. Mets. Absolutely. We got to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. He's going to look and say, well, I'm sure the owner's going to say, we already tried bringing in a guy that, you know, was a really good analytic guy and, and, and all that stuff. I think the obvious thing to do would get one of those, get an older manager. Maybe Buck Showalter would mm-hmm. be the guy. He certainly knows his way around New York. It's got to be somebody who can handle older players, somebody who can. Demand the room. Somebody who can, yeah, somebody yeah. who who carries a bit of heft. Mm-hmm. Carlos Beltran is an interesting choice, although. When it hits the fan, you, you want Carlos talking you off the plank? Well, it's not just that. It's the tie-in with the Astros and everything it would bring unwanted attention. Uh, Miguel Cairo is intriguing. A lot of people have had him pegged as a manager. Walt Weiss is another name that has come up, which is yeah. Kind of intriguing. But I don't know, man. I, I like. I mean, let me ask you a question. They're sort of looking for me, a guy me, like Aaron me, Boone. Let me put it. Th- oh. The players love who's a, who's a yeah, great but let, let me put it this way. Jim Duquette he used is. to be in that front office. If he's hearing, and he's not just throwing out a list. If he's got Gibbons on a list, that means somebody has said to him that it's not, one, it's not entirely out sure. of the question. Mm. Or two, somebody said, you know, put the name out there. See what the reaction is. Um. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I think Gibbons in New York would be would be an would be an intriguing fit because that team, the team has to win, and the first thing you have to do to win is get to the playoffs. And can John Gibbons get your team to the playoffs? Yes, he can. Can he handle big personalities? And I don't care if Marcus Stroman is back with the Mets. I don't even think that's an issue. Can John Gibbons handle that? Hell yeah. I mean, he, John Gibbons had some some in, in, intriguing clubhouses. Yeah. In Toronto. Well, you the were club, part the, of one. Yeah, of the clubhouse thing's not an issue. He's going to take care of that. He'll demand the room. And, you know, when somebody gets out of hand, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing rats in the clubhouse. They're going to say, don't make up stories like that. That's, that's attention we don't need to have. Right? Raise your hand. Be the grown-up in the room. Gibby will be that. It's just the other things. Like, it's when, when it does go south there a little bit in the middle of the season, that's, the, that's where the manager for me comes into play, and you got to be a really good salesman and walking everybody off the plank because they do want the back page of the New York Times, right? That's the whole point. Uh, the that, New that, York Post. Uh, Post, I'm yeah. sorry. That, that's what they want. They, they want. they don't want the Yankees there. They want the Mets to be in there. And you want, if, you, hey, if you're Steve Cohen and you, want, you think Gibby can have lots of quotes under the Mets on the fourth page, then I, I, there's, there's no doubt Gibby could do it. No yeah, doubt. Gibby, I, I think, listen, I, I think Gibby, here's a newsflash for people. Toronto's a big media market. There are as many or were as many reporters in John Gibbons' office before games as in just about every other market. L.A., more than L.A. because there just aren't that many papers in L.A. anymore that travel. New York, yeah, New York is, is a different media animal. Mm-hmm. Media market, 
the, the number of writers, bigger in Toronto than it is in Philly. Bigger than in Chicago. I'm just telling you, I've been yeah. in all those clubhouses, all those locker rooms, all those managers' office. This is this is a big time media management job for a manager. Mm. And by and large, I you know, I think Gibby did Gibby did a really good job of that. I, yeah, yeah. I just I just think at the end, uh it was time to move on. Yeah. But I'll ask you this. Let's leave aside the conversation regarding John Gibbons. A reminder, Vernon Wells is going to join us in a few minutes to uh, take, a look at, uh, take a look back at the Jays. Uh, two jobs right now. Mets, San Diego. <laughs> it's not even close. What's the toughest job of those two? The toughest? N- New York. Why? Because San, Di- San Diego, you got it. Yeah, but San Diego, I, you have you you were supposed to win the World Series yeah, this you, look, year, and you got the best player, one of the best players on the planet, in Fernando don't, Tatis. Don't try and put your shortstop that you paid that much money to in right field. Don't do that anymore. Or don't call him out for being don't for swinging that. at a three and zero pitch or whatever the hell. Exactly it is. right. Be smarter. You know, you don't you don't need your two superstars, which you paid seven hundred plus million dollars to, yelling and screaming at each other during a game so everybody can see it. There, that that for me is the one part of. You know, the clubhouse thing, that's a, that's a rocky road to go down. But when you see your two best players yelling at each other, there's something up there. That, that, that leadership somewhere has went south. That, that for me, is that just screams Bochy. <laughs> They'd be none of that when Bochy was there. And I, I, was, I was with Bochy a short time in San Diego. But, yeah, I said, told this story before. He, he took me out for drinks because he sent me down. He had no idea who I was. He didn't have to do that. Klesko came back, and he's like, I feel so bad I didn't play you. Take you out the drinks. It's, look, it's where would you? Where would the, the best slate, like you just come in and it's right in front of you? For me, it's San Diego. You got everything. Plus you, it's San you, Diego. You, you Darvish. You got the left side of the infield. You got athleticism all over the field. You know, you, you go out and add a couple of pieces to your bullpen, you're right there. You get your first baseman a little bit back on track, maybe you trade him. Yeah, and Bochy, of course, uh, managed the Padres from 83 to 87, played for the Padres. How's Bochy? I haven't looked that up. He's pretty 66. old. 66. Uh, is that too? I don't know if that's too old for him or not. Well, I don't know. Have any idea. Yeah, how old is Tony LaRusa? Well, look at Tony. Yeah. And, and actually, and Bruce did have, now, Bruce as a former catcher had major, major knee surgery. I think he may, I don't know if he had a hip replacement, but um, there's a lot of miles in Bruce Bochy's body. There's a lot of miles in Bruce Bochy. Yeah, I body. think San Diego I think for me would... is more about the GM than it is the the, the manager. That's I, fair. I, that, that's, that's fair. Just me. That's fair. That's yep. me. Like, yeah, but you stop, would have, stop what, overthinking it. Like, you would you agree. Go out and get another middle infielder when you need pitching. You would agree, though, that. wouldn't you? That you need you need after going through what you went through with Jace Tingler, you need. A face of the franchise, maybe, other than nah, a player? Not a face a of the franchise. A voice of the franchise. Hey, that can make it He's never going to. I mean, it's always, it's always going to be Tatis Jr. and, 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 and Manny. I, 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 just, I, I think you need a guy who's been there and done it before. So that when Bruce Bochy goes to talk to Fernando Tatis, he can tell him. He's, how many World Series has he, he won? Yeah, I guess. Right? I guess you know, back, Jace Ting, what the hell's Jace Tingler going to talk to Fernando Tatis about? It's back to the point where you need to, the GM needs to step up and stop having the manager fire the pitching coach. Come on, dude. Like, that, that's just me. Like, I, I again, I've, I have nowhere near San Diego. I have no idea what's going on around that team just by looking from afar. Like, the talent that they have and, and what you're seeing on TV just don't add up. Like, 
Yeah, they, yeah, and, yeah, and they were – Yeah, the rotations had some hiccups. You Darvish can't stay on the field when he was there towards the end of the season. wasn't any good. That didn't help. But still. Like, <laughs> yeah, and Kevin, they were – let's let's be clear about this as well. They were 79 and 83. They were – they're four games under 500. This isn't a team that just ran out of steam at the end. Their run difference is plus 21. Yeah. How the hell do you have – their their run differentials plus twenty one. The Dodgers is plus two sixty nine. San Francisco's plus two ten. Question: to Ask yourself, does the manager fix those? Is that what? The, is that the manager? Is that, that that that's the question? Like, yeah, a definition of a manager is different for everybody. You you'd have to ask yourself: Is a yeah. you're going to break that team down to the nth degree when you're when you're if you're the front office trying to figure out what it is? Is the manager going to fix all that? Or is it a player issue? Throw out another reason that I like John Gibbons managing one of those teams is uh, there's one thing Gibby does really well, really well, and he manages a bullpen yeah, extremely I'll give you that. well. He makes closers again. He I keep thinking back to that year when he went to the playoffs with Roberto as soon as his closer. Gibby's ability yeah. to use a bullpen, which I still think is how you measure a manager. Although I'm sure it's changed. In the analytic age, I'm sure there's different information. And I talked about to John about this once. I said, does a manager use his gut anymore? And he said it's more a matter of sometimes you do, but most of the time you're balancing off this information versus yeah. this information, right? But uh, that's the other thing about John that I think gives him a real – Makes him. He should be a candidate for one of these jobs. I just flat out think he should be a I, I candidate so for too. one of these jobs. It'd be interesting too to see if if the Mets bring back Javi Baez, if that has any uh, d- determination on who would come in and manage that. Yeah, it's a big personalities. Yeah, but again, so I, I, I'm saying I'm I'm not saying you know, Gibby can't do it, but I'm saying this is all going to weigh into you know the thumbs down thing. Can't be doing that. You know the the grown up in the room. You know they thought that thing out, Jeff. They just didn't show up yeah. two hours before the game. Oh, right. and went, Let's do thumbs down whenever we get a hit. They didn't do that. They thought it through. They need a grown-up in the room. If they think Gibby's a grown-up in the room and a good salesman, I'm for you. And the Jacob DeGrom thing for me, I know you rolled your eyes at me, but it's a little bit of a – he's going to have to f- figure something out. Can he be that 99, 200-inning guy? 99 mile an hour sitting at it, 200 inning guys. He's going to have to do that regardless of who the manager is. I, yeah, but doesn't matter. Maybe. Just think you're, I think you're going to have to, because he's he's going to give up runs when he does that. That's the point. You've got to have somebody who knows how to use a bullpen. Everything comes into play. Yeah. Was, so what do we figure out? We figured out that John Gibbons should manage the New York Mets, I think. <laughs> Hey, Jim Duquette's got him on the yeah, list. Yeah. I, 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 I think. Listen, I think that what we see when Houston and the Chicago White Sox meet, when we see Dusty Baker against Tony Larusa, you see those guys in the postseason. I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that John Gibbons or Bruce Bochy should be back in the game. And, and you may think this is weird, but I'll, I'll tell you what. At no point did anybody think Tony LaRusso was coming back in to manage a team. Mm. At no point did anybody. And and I was one of those people that said it's going to be a disaster. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a disaster in the postseason. But I think that we 
we're, we're kind of in a cycle now in baseball where, you know what, it's the young guys, the analytics guys, I think are a little more comfortable around the older school baseball guys. I think older school baseball guys understand now that analytics is here. Yeah. It's 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 not going anywhere. There's a good chance. There's a good chance that your general manager, you know, ha- has has gone to Yale or Harvard yeah. more than he's than he's pitched at double A or, or single A. And and I think enough of that, there's been enough of that churn. Yeah. I think there's a little more trust now than there was before. And if I'm a if I'm a young analytically inclined general manager and I've got a chance, well, look at Cleveland, heavy analytics organization. They got sure. Terry Francona. If if I'm that young guy and I'm I'm comfortable in my position, I would absolutely go for an old hand as my manager, one hundred percent. And then I'd you know, I'd I'd make sure that the coaching staff was was put mm-hmm. together appropriately, but I would absolutely go with an older guy somebody who's been there somebody who can yeah and that's what you know I, we talked about boats just you you know what you know how i know what i'm doing do you want to count my count my world series rings can't teach experience i, I just think front offices are, are figuring out that not every young person is mature and they need that's a grown-up they need a grown-up in the room there's so many young players in baseball now who just haven't been there and done it don't have the experience that's don't know how point. to do it and sometimes they're gonna ah, and yeah. they need a grown-up to tell them not to go, and that's sort of San Diego. That's yells and screams San Diego for me. Vernon Wells is a former Blue Jays center fielder. He's a contributor to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Uh, George Springer finished out the year very strongly, playing in center field and artificial turf on bad knees. I've always told people that there are several, uh, there are a lot of players that I saw play hurt that, at the end of their season, I just shake my head and go, I don't know how many at-bats you got. You know, Vernon would be number one in that list. Vernon Vernon Wells played hurt maybe more than just about any player well, any player I've been around. Um, and it's it's something that's always kind of, I, I don't think he's necessarily gotten the credit he deserves, the credit he deserves for that. Vernon Wells joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. So we're uh, still waiting the announcement or the scheduling of the Blue Jays postseason availability with uh, the front office. And uh, once that happens, we will uh, we will have you covered. Um, a little surprised it hasn't happened already. How many major decisions do you think? Do you think there are decisions about the coaching staff that need to be made right now? I would assume. You think they're all back? Not coaching. You think they're all back? A coach or two. I not all, no. Okay. I don't. Yeah. All right. Just wondering. I mean, I, and do you want me to give a name? Like, but I, look, it's no. When time comes and then something like that happens, we'll, we'll address that. But it's it happens every year. Like, you, yeah, there's, there's, you make adjustments. Do I do I think all of them are back? No. Do I think most of them are back? Yeah. I think they've earned that. Where they been? What they went through? What they did? Where they got these guys? Yeah, of course. 
Vernon Wells is a former Blue Jays center fielder. He's a contributor to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. We're very pleased to be joined by Vernon. Vernon, thank you so much for joining uh, Mr. Barker and myself. I greatly appreciate it. We trust that you're doing well. Um, what did you think of this you know, now that the season is over? What, what was your overall read on this Blue Jays team? Did they come as far as a lot of us think they did, or is there still is is there still room to grow with this group? Uh, I mean, I think that's the exciting thing. I think there's still room for growth. Um, when you look at what they had to go through uh, during the season of basically not having a home, um, that can take a toll on a team. Uh, I mean, they basically had an extended spring training to a minor league season to getting a chance to be a big league ball club for, for, for a little while. So I think through all that, um, it probably was an opportunity for them to get closer as a team, which I think we all noticed uh, how close they were. Um, but when you, when as a fan, uh, as someone who follows the team, uh, you start to have expectations um, as you get closer to the end of a season. And I think everybody's somewhat disappointed that they weren't able to to get to that postseason spot. But I think everybody's encouraged to what the future looks like. But you have obviously a young core of, of, of players, of both arms and position players, but there still needs to be some additions that are made to this team to to get them to that next level. What did you like about how Bo finished his season? I love Bo. Like it's, I think for for a former player, even for fans, um, everyone sees the potential that Bo has. He's he's got a skill set that's that's fairly rare uh, when it comes to the game. His ability to uh, to hit to hit early in counts, maybe be a little aggressive early in counts and then change their approach later in counts. But he's young. He's still learning what he's, what his skill set is. And for him to be doing what he's doing at this age, um, I think it's remarkable. Um, I think we have to, as fans, take the good with the bad at this point until he, until he fully understands who he is as a hitter. So for him to have, have the success that he had at the end. I think it's I think it's great for him going into an offseason where he'll continue to learn and swing. Do you think he needs to make some I don't want to say major adjustments to his leg kick, but tweak some things with that? I think there's always room for that. I think you know that it's there's never there's never a moment where you are not tweaking something, where you're not adjusting something. You're always trying to figure out what is the best thing for me to do to be consistent as a hitter? And when we're when we're at the plate, that is that's the biggest challenge. I mean, you it's the hardest thing to do in baseball. If if and if we're making it harder on ourselves, then we're putting ourselves in a hole. So I know for him, I know for his dad. I mean, there's there's a wealth of knowledge there when it comes to hitting, and they're going to do everything they can to 
to make it as easy as possible for him to be consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing is for, from a hitter standpoint is be consistent as possible, but still be able to be dangerous at any point. Yeah. I, I never had a great season like you at the big league level. You know that when I played with you, you were having great seasons. Is it hard for a guy that's had a really good season like Bo to go home and go, you know, I need to adjust that. Is that a hard mental thing to just get used to or buy into? No, I think as I think as competitors, I think we tend to look at our struggles more than our successes. Uh, those are the things that that hold our numbers down in some areas. Even though numbers are great, there's still room for improvement. So that's that's the fun part about going into an off season and and getting a chance to finally look back at the course of the season and what went wrong, what went right. Uh, and why I think the why is always the biggest thing and when you figure out the why and we can as hitters minimize the why of what things went wrong then we start to learn we start to grow and that's that's the exciting part of maturity Vernon I think it was last year you sent out a tweet about uh how you were looking forward to watching the postseason and how exciting it was and then in typical Vernon Wells with typical Vernon Wells humor you pointed out that because it's something you did a lot in your career um I, I wanted to ask you about that feeling of you know, what it's like to have a 162 game season end and you've had a good year in some cases you've I mean you played hurt you know it's just it was a grind getting to the end but you're not in the playoffs what is that like for a for a player to have to kind of wind down from that uh it's frustrating I think you as a player you go into spring training and my years with the Blue Jays and being in the east it's it's similar to what it is now um where you have the Yankees, the Red Sox, but we didn't necessarily have the Rays who are doing what they're doing now. So every spring training, you go in with this with this hope and optimism that it's this we have a chance to kind of break through that threshold. And going through the course of the year for for my teams, it was if you had if you had a major injury um, to a key rotation piece or someone in your lineup we weren't built to have someone plug in and and not lose a beat. Uh, when you looked at the Red Sox and Yankees at that time, they did. So we would we would have years where we would pitch and we wouldn't necessarily hit and vice versa and it just never came together. So in spring training it was it was always this is the year and by the time it got to about mid September it was always it's well we need to start planning on getting our stuff shipped home because it's over. So um it's never it's never a fun part uh, to be a part of that, but I couldn't imagine just for this team and it to be game 162 and to finish out the way they did and still not have an opportunity. Hopefully that leaves something in their stomach of understanding that now the games in April mean everything as, as, as much as the games in September. You know, I've I've often told people that of the, the all the players I've covered, I mean, I saw a lot of guys play hurt. You played hurt an awful lot. Played every day, uh, hurt. Um, I put up good numbers, hurt at times as well. George Springer finished on a pretty good role, playing on a, a on a bum knee on artificial turf in center field. Now I think this turf's probably better than the the parking lot you may have played on <laughs> when you were here, but. 
what is that like, particularly a center fielder? You know, because a lot of times you're going to be diving, you're going to be running, you, you've got to cover a lot of ground. Tell us what it's like to have to play hurt as a center fielder. Um, I mean, that's that's the that's what we get paid to do. Um, it's it's something that most people cannot understand because they've just never really been in that position. But we feel as competitors and as baseball players, 80% of ourselves is better than not being out there. Um, now, the, you have to take the good with the bad with that because at 80%, you can't do what you normally can do. But you feel as, as, a, as a leader, as, as a centerpiece to your ball club, that um, you should do everything you can to be out there for your team. Um, and your teammates respect it. Um, and you, <laughs> as fans, you, you probably get frustrated with, with the struggles that come along with it. But that's part of, that's the nature of the business. That's the nature of, of being an athlete. And you have to fight through those things because it, it kind of, it builds your character. It, it, it motivates people around you to, to know that you, there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. And if you're, if you're hurt, let's fight through it. How do you think the Yankees Red Sox game will go tonight? Uh, I found it interesting that, like, even even before the reports coming out that the Yankees were choosing to go there, anyways, like that was that was something that really jumped out at me. Like, they feel like they can go into Fenway and, and beat them. Um, so I'm, it's it's going to be high energy. I think it's going to be a game that we. It, it may rival any World Series game that's coming up. Like, this is something that, that baseball fans love. And the Yankees are, are on a streak right now that it's going to be tough for the Red Sox to to beat them, in my opinion. But it is in Finlay, and crazy things happen in both, and when both those teams are at home. So I think the Yankees will win, but hopefully it's an exciting game. How important is it for Giancarlo Stanton to have a big postseason here? You know, you you played in New York, so you know what it's like. It's a demanding place. Um, he had, you know, he's had a, a he had a really good run here. I mean, he almost I wouldn't say single handedly beat the Jays, but he was certainly one of the reasons <laughs> that they had success. But it's like anything else, right? It's a postseason. Uh, how important is it for him to have a good postseason this year? Um, I think more so for him, just to just to continue that success that you've been having as of late. Um, we, we all as, as fans and as media members um, start to point to what people do in postseasons. We remember back years ago and Beltron went off in a postseason and it kind of catapulted him to be uh, to his free agent year. Like those things, those things changed career. And for him, to have to be on the stage, uh, to be wearing the pinstripes, it's going to be huge for him. And I, I think there's, I don't think there's anybody that's obviously built for built for this any more than he is. Vernon, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Good talking to you. Take care. It's Vernon Wells, former Blue Jays uh, outfielder, contributor to Blue Jays Central and Sportsnet, our player agent as well. Uh, what do you think, Bark? What happens tonight? Uh, I, that's a great question. I think Garrett Cole has to be really good. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to be great because of the bullpen they have, they have guys that can go multiple innings down there. 
Roll to Chapman. It's not going back-to-back games. If he was going back-to-back games, the day off really helped him, I think, at least for me. Mm-hmm. It just seems like his his fastball has a little bit more giddy-up to it. He ha- has a little bit more confidence in his secondary pitches, which he throws more of now. I think that's a bonus for them. I, they've won four out of the last five in Fenway. That's confidence going into there. Um, you know, Boston's probably not going to have J.D. Martinez, which – They definitely don't. He's not, he's he not on the roster. So that's a huge deal. That would that would make it easier for you to walk Devers. I, I know Devers, I believe, is uh, against Garrett Cole is four for eleven this year with three homers and eight RBIs. If you're Garrett Cole going to that thing, you're thinking one thing: there's no JD Martinez. Now I can walk Devers he, if I have to. If I don't want to pitch to him, I'm going to flip it to him. If he chases, he gets himself out fine. If I walk him, I'll I'll pitch to the next guy. It's that's a yeah. good, good game plan going in. And Xander Bogarts is scuffling a bit right now, so that yeah, makes a big good, difference. Yeah. The uh, Red Sox uh, have set their roster. They're carrying 12 pitchers, Chris Sale and J.D. Martinez, both out. That's no surprise. Chris Sale started the uh, started the final game of the season, did not look good. Uh, but that, that aside, he will be back on the roster if they advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.D. Martinez uh, tripped over second base yeah. while running out to play defense in Sunday's regular season finale, sustaining a sprained left ankle. Right. And, and, and again, this is... Yeah, J.D. Martinez is a D.H. J.D. Martinez should not have been in the outfield in that final game of the season. And that that is, I've talked about this. The D.H. has to be brought into both leagues. I don't know if that's going to be something that will be able to be hammered out in the CBA for the life of me, for the life of me. I don't understand how the players associate. I just don't understand how anybody can be against it. We're already playing interleague games. You know, the, the used to be you had different umpires in the National League in America. You don't have that anymore. You don't have separate league offices. It makes no, 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 no sense to me that we still keep up with this, this, this idiocy of, of, of pitchers hitting. Anyhow, uh, that, that is the, the Red Sox health status. Uh, I believe also that, uh, that, uh, there were a couple of other was it uh, a couple of other pitchers weren't added to the wa- to the roster. Um, again, it's just a you know this is a one game deal uh, for the Boston Red Sox, but uh, the Yankees have not seen their roster yet. We do know DJ Lemayhew is on the IL. He's going to be out at least, Voight. and and Luke day. Voigt, Luke Voigt as well, and um, he'll be out. Uh, he'll be out for for or Lemayhew will be out for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and that's, you know, that, that's going to be no JD Martinez to me is the big story is the big story of this game uh, more than anything else. So right now it looks like, uh, Alex Cora will have Kyle Schwarber DHing rather than playing left fielder first base. So then Bobby Dahlbeck would play first. Christian Arroyo would go to second. Verdugo would be in left. And Kike Hernandez would be in center for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I just don't. It's the Red Sox. It's Fenway. I find it intriguing. We talked about this, that the Red Sox, when it came time to figure out who was playing who, would decided they'd rather play at Fenway than the possibility of playing the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I just, based on what we saw uh, that last, and we watched both of those final games of the season, the Red Sox and 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 nationals was just awful yeah i give them credit and they the got Yankees in it everything were... everything they've been through you know the COVID issues the the 
Yankees just trying to get in in it. It's not the easiest thing down yeah. the stretch. I talked to numerous coaches with the Blue Jays. It was it was mentally draining for a lot of players on their team. I can't imagine all the expectations with the Yankees, all the expectations now with the Red Sox. I know it's they weren't supposed to do this, but they now they are because they were right there at it. And there's a lot of pressure cool. on these guys to to perform. No Chris Sale most of the year. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah, we can we can say they looked awful, but we're both in the same page, right? The Rays do not want to see the Yankees. Do you think? Uh, if, if you I don't ask think the Rays, Rays to, I don't think the Rays, think care. Rays care. I don't. I don't. They got to figure it out. Anyway. They went to Yankee Stadium and just it took the Yankees nine innings to even score a run to win a game. Yeah, they ain't afraid of the Yankees. I must. I hate to say that. The Rays are the Rays. They don't care. They can match up against anybody. Their lineup. They can go eight lefties. They can go righties. They can throw a bazillion guys out of the bullpen and throw a hundred. They got a lefty starter who throws a hundred. You got you got something they need to match up against. They got something for you. And oh, by the way, they got home field advantage in that place that nobody wants to go to. You can't see the ball. It's hard to see. The, the, the ball's hard to pick up. The, the batting eye. There's a lot of things going into going into the drop. I don't think they care. Yeah, it's. They got it all lined up. Kevin, really Kevin, do, Ka- Kevin Cash had it lined up exactly the way he wanted to line it up down the stretch. He got a chance to rest the guys he wanted to rest. Now you can use them if you're him as many times as you want to use them to win a baseball game. That's and everybody looked sharp. I mean, we watched that. Yeah. Every, everybody looked sharp. They got a really good game plan against every single hitter. You can see it against the Blue Jays. Now that's the one team for me that they probably wouldn't want to see. Yeah, I'm with I, you. I know Kevin Kiermaier came out and tried to poke out his chest and say, yeah, or watch what you asked for. Well, they're not going to get that opportunity. But do the Yankees really scare you? Do the Red Sox scare you? Absolutely not. They they just don't. I mean, I, suspended. I, their their bullpen for the Yankees maybe right now, but that just means you beat you beat up on the starter. You know, yeah, you, the Yankees, you take the bullpen out of it. The Yankees bullpen is to me is the if it is as strong as it has appeared down the stretch. I think the Yankees. I think the race still win, but I think the Yankees can make it tougher in them. You know, what 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 really kind of would give me if I was the Yankees fan cause for concern is it, it was almost like whatever whatever momentum Giancarlo Stanton had coming out of that coming out of that series against the Jays is just gone like Tampa took him out of the game and I know you're still surprised that they elected to pitch to Aaron Judge and not walk him and, and go after Stanton uh I you know I, I, I don't know Kevin Cash was managing a game that really had little meaning for his team but um I, I wonder if that what did what did uh, what did Jack Curry say when we had him on talking about Giancarlo Stanton? How he could be un- I'm sorry, Jeff Nelson. How he could be unbelievably hot oh, yeah. and then unbelievably cold. And if I'm the Yankees, I'm wondering if maybe maybe what the Rays didn't do is put him back into one of those cold spells. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's just like most hitters now who who are facing high velocity have to cheat a little bit, open up the front side. He's he's no different. He doesn't like he says tremendous bat speed. He just has unbelievable leverage when he can, you know, beat the guy to the, to the spot a lot of the times, and he can hit the ball further than most people. Give you just a little stat on the Yankees. When they score first this year, they're 59 and 22. Hmm. When they don't, they're 32 and 48. Matt right there just sums it up. And they're, and they've won the, the last four out of the five meetings in Fenway against the Red Sox. They got to score first. Yeah, that will tell you that, that, that right now, Aaron Boone with the bullpen that they have is out of the equation. 
You got I got you, a plethora of arms down there. What do you there. mean out of the equation? Because I got all kinds of arms. Oh, I'm I can't sorry. make a okay. wrong choice yeah. here. They're all healthy. They're all yeah. raring to go. We've had a day off. You know, uh, Aroldis Chapman's had a day off between times he's he's pitched. I got the ninth inning taken care of. Now I got a bunch of arms I can throw at a bunch of right-handed hitters. I walk Devers when I have to. All systems go. It will be the Yankees and the Red Sox tonight on Sportsnet as, uh, well, Major League Baseball's playoffs get going with uh, without the Toronto Blue Jays. The winner of this game will go on to face the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Division Series. And uh, if anything, if history has taught us anything, Kevin Barker, it's that the first round of the playoffs sometimes provide the greatest amount of drama. And I've got to think that uh, even though I, I'm with you, I think the Yankees are heavy favorites here. Fenway Park. Fenway Park in October. And the Red Sox, they're back against the wall. I've seen this before. Matter of fact, so have the Yankees. That is it for Blair and Barker today.